inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am he. I am Mr. Black, and you are you. Uh, And the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. And today, you are blessed, because today, we're going to deal with the pandemic. Yeah, there's a pandemic uh, that's hitting this country. It's a virus that is out of control. Uh, I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm not talking about coronavirus. Uh, I'm not talking about a flu bug. I'm talking about this viral hatred, this demonization, this demoralization of our men and women in blue, our law enforcement officers, LEOs. Uh, And today, uh, you are blessed uh, because we have a very special guest. Uh, Most people don't know him, but uh, Chief Anderson, uh, he is the chief of police of the St. Cloud Minneapolis Police Department. Uh, He's going to be joining us today. A great man. He's done some great things in St. Cloud. Uh, He happens to be a man in blue. So today, we're going to be talking to Chief Blair, uh, Chief Anderson, about what it's like to be a police officer day, what it's like to struggle uh, in a uniform. Uh, And Chief Anderson happens to be black. So today, we're calling today's show Black and Blue. And why is it so important that we cover this? Because I, I, I was reading the newspaper, and I saw this article. Teacher tells Latino police officer... He's a murderer and will never be white in viral traffic stop. A Los Angeles County Sheriff's Police Department employee uh, was the victim of racialized harassment during a traffic stop in San Dimas. A woman who self-identifies as a teacher repeatedly calls him a murderer while failing to produce ID and concludes her tirade with a racial attack. Quote, you're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that. She tells the officer. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what we're going to deal with today on the topic of black and blue. And now, story time with Mr. Black. When the Lord was creating peace officers, he was into his sixth day of overtime. When an angel appeared and said, you're doing a lot of fiddling around on this one. And the Lord said, Have you read the specs on this order? A peace officer has to be able to run five miles through the alleys in the dark, scale walls, enter homes the health inspector wouldn't even touch, and not wrinkle his uniform. He has to be able to sit in an undercover car all day on a stakeout, cover a homicide scene that night, canvass the neighborhood for witnesses, and testify in court the next day. He has to be in top physical condition at all times, running on black coffee and half-eaten meals. And he has to have six pair of hands. The angel shook her head slowly and said, six pair of hands? No way. It's not the hands that are causing me problems, said the Lord. It's the three pairs of eyes 
an officer has to have. That's on the standard model, asked the angel. The Lord nodded. One pair that sees through a bulge in a pocket before he asks, May I see what's in there, sir? When he already knows and wishes he'd taken that accounting job. Another pair of eyes here in the side of his head for his partner's safety. And yet another pair of eyes here in front that can look reassuring at a bleeding victim and say, You'll be all right, ma'am, when he knows. It isn't so. Lord, said the angel, touching his sleeve, rest and work on this tomorrow. I can't, said the Lord. I already have a model that can talk a 250-pound drunk into a patrol car without instant and feed a family of five on a civil service paycheck. The angel circled the model of the peace officer very slowly. Can it think, she asked. You bet, said the Lord. It can tell you the elements of a hundred crimes. Recite Miranda warnings in its sleep. Detain, investigate, search, and arrest a gang member on the street in less time than it takes five learned judges to debate the legality of the stop. And still, it keeps its sense of humor. The officer also has phenomenal personal control. He can deal with crime scenes painted in hell, coax a confession from a child abuser, comfort a murder victim's family, and then read in the daily paper how law enforcement isn't sensitive to the rights of criminal suspects. Finally, the angel bent over and ran her fingers across the cheek of the peace officer. There's a leak, she pronounced. I told you that you were trying to put too much into this model. That's not a leak, said the Lord. It's a tear. What's the tear for, asked the angel. It's for bottled up emotions, for fallen comrades, for commitment to that funny piece of cloth called the American flag, for justice. You're a genius, said the angel. The Lord looked somber. I didn't put it in there, he said. You know, ladies and gentlemen, police officers are human beings. And as I read my good book, Romans 3.23 tells me that all fall short of the glory of God. See, police officers, law enforcement officers, LEOs, they are human beings who put on a uniform to protect and to serve with much sacrifice and today with much chagrin. And so I challenge you, the next time you see an LEO, think that they are someone's friend. They are someone's parent or child, maybe sibling or uncle, friend of the family, customer, See, beyond the uniform, beyond the skin, beyond the intonation of color that permeates from that skin, beyond their eye color, beyond the style of their hair, they are a living, breathing human being who is just like you. And they have dreams and desires just like you. They want to love and be loved 
just like you. They have fear, doubt, anxiety, just like you. They have trauma and drama, just like you. They want to provide for their family, give a sense of security for those family members, and to know that they matter, just like you. And so today on Like It Matters Radio, we are blessed because I don't know Blair Anderson, the chief of police for St. Cloud, but the little time I've spent talking to him and interacting to, for this radio show, for this interview, man, I've already fallen in love with the man. So he's a man in blue and whose skin happens to be black. He and I are about the same age. And today we're going to get personal. Today we're going to talk about what is it like today to be a police officer? What's it like today to put on that uniform? What is the biggest fear? What is the biggest doubt? What is the biggest dream? What is the biggest desire? Same type of questions I would ask any other living, breathing human being. So after the break, we'll be joined by Chief of Police, Mr. Anderson from the St. Cloud, Minnesota Police Department. We'll be back in a few minutes. We are all in the construction business, constructing memories, relationships, new ideas, and a legacy that will outlive us. Life is best imagined as a construction project. Hey, can we get that backhoe over here? At Like It Matters, we craft tools and teach you how to use them. Mr. Black has a bevy of tools to help you build your life into your dream. One of those tools is individual life counseling. The best analogy is a life caddy, because sometimes you just need another set of eyes. A second tool, books by Mr. Black, always opening up your mind. Third, workshops, where we teach people how they work and how to function at a higher level. Nice job. That's it for today. Wrap it up. Contact Mr. Black at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Building a better you today. Likeitmatters.net. Helping people live their lives like they matter. That's mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Discover the tools to build your relationships, your vision, and your life. Today, we're going to go deep. We're going to get real. We might get a little bruised. And today, we're calling the show Black and Blue. Because, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what your beliefs are, no matter who you voted for in this last presidential election, no matter what side of the political aisle you sit on, let's be honest about something. Law enforcement officers, LEOs, are taking a beating. Uh, they are bruised. Uh, and today, I thought I would call today's show Black and Blue. It's a couple double entendres there. You know, a lot of police officers are black. Uh, and, man, I've seen so many pictures of uh, police officers who happen to be black in riot gear uniform who are standing there. And there's this white liberal in their face, spitting in their face, calling them every name, yelling at them, actually, you know, kind of poking on them, leaning in their face, blaring stuff. And they just stand there with ultimate respect, just looking straight ahead, not responding at all. And our police officers are being abused. And it's, it's not just the police officers. It's what we call authority. 
Uh, when I was a kid, I was told to treat all authority with respect. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian, the Bible is pretty clear uh, that you are to respect the authority that God put over you. And those law enforcement officers have been placed in a position of authority over us. And so when you dishonor that police officer, you dishonor the God who runs this entire world. And they're taking a beating in their jobs, in their personal life, on social media, going out and shopping, uh, whether it's at a Starbucks or whatever, uh, as they're out and about, their families. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to stop. We've got to change. And one of the best ways to do that is to let people realize that these are men and women just like you and I, to see the human side of it. They have a job to do. They put on a uniform like many other people. Some uniforms are truck drivers. Some uniforms are are teachers. Some uniforms are doctors and nurses. It's just a different uniform. And like all of us, we have different jobs. And they just want to do their job nobly and honorably. And today we thought we'd have a special uh, guest join us. Uh, Today we're going to be joined by William Blair Anderson. He's currently the chief of police of the St. Cloud Police Department. He's been a licensed peace officer for 25 years. He commands 110 sworn officers and 56 civilians with an operating budget of approximately $19.5 million, $20 million. But that's not all he's done. Prior to coming to St. Cloud, Chief Anderson was the chief deputy sheriff of the Carver County Sheriff's Office. In that capacity, he managed a $16 million budget and oversaw the day-to-day operations of including 160 licensed and civilian personnel. Impressive. Chief Anderson earned a master's degree in public safety administration from St. Mary's University and also is a graduate of the FBI National Academy's 232nd session. Chief Anderson is credentialed to teach at Minnesota State Colleges and Universities and he serves as an adjunct professor at St. Cloud State University. Also, Chief Anderson is an eight-year U.S. Army veteran, including active duty service service during Operation Desert Storm. So with great honor, uh, I would like to welcome Chief Anderson. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you, sir. And it's good to be with you today. And and thank you for that wonderful uh, introduction. Uh, And and I love the preamble. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here. Can you hear me? Fantastic. Yep. Fantastic. I got you. So, Chief, uh, man, being a law enforcement professional is probably a little bit different than you saw it when you joined the force 25 years ago, huh? Yeah, you know what? It's it's actually the bipolar opposite now. Um, you know, I was four or five years in when 9-11 hit, and, and at the time, we had the highest rating of trust from the public than any other profession. Uh, I can tell you uh, during that time, um, it, it was hard to, to pay for a meal. You would sit down in a restaurant and take a break and try and grab a quick bite. And before you could leave, um, somebody had paid your tab. And uh, where we are now is uh, 180 degrees uh, different than that. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll prevail. We will persevere because the vast majority of men and women out here doing this job, and I'm, I'm glad you said that, are doing it the right way for the right reasons. And I, I just don't want us to forget about them. You know, my, my heart hurts yeah. for anybody who's lost a loved one. But, but let's remember there's a human being inside that uniform. And, uh, you know, they serve with 
with sacrifice and with selflessness, and we'll step into harm's way for you without asking anything in return. Amen. And I'm I'm first and foremost a, a child of God. So uh, I hold a lot of hats in my life, just like you do. Uh, but the one that I uh, honor the most is, is I'm a child uh, of the risen King. And so uh, I know what my good book says. And my book says that every single human being is flawed. Uh, every single human being uh, falls short of the glory of God. And then you add my 30 years of uh, experience counseling and, and dealing with PTSD and trauma and helping people clean up their past. And I know that be, even before a lot of these LEOs become LEOs, they have trauma from the past. Uh, family of origin issues, um, abuse, molestation, rape. I mean, it's part of the culture we live in. And then when they become a police officer what you guys experience what you see what you have to deal with uh, the lowest levels of life and some of the the pain and the hurt that you have to deal with on a daily basis if most people knew that uh, they would they would bow at your feet <laughs> they would bow at your feet uh, because they could not handle it but uh, I always like to go to origins you know I feel, I feel like a superhero movie here you know going back to the origins so when did you decide to be a police officer you know as a child did you always want to be a police officer or, or what drove you to to want to put on that uniform? Well, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and one of the most violent precincts in the most violent city at the time. Right. Late 60s or early 70s and, and uh, high school kid in the 80s. And it's ironic that with, with all the violence and, and craziness around me, I never felt unsafe. And part of the reason for that is because there were responsible, hardworking adults who kept us out of harm's way. And so I grew up in a house that was very service oriented. Um, I, I grew up in a, a old school house. You and I talked about this before. Um, you know, it's yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yep. No, ma'am. You, re you respect your elders. You respect authority. If there's a problem, you comply now and complain later. And, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that's 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 missing clearly uh, in society today. And so it's ironic. I, I pulled my yearbook out not long ago. And it's been over 35 years since I graduated high school. And, uh, you know, on the, the line where it says future plans, um, I, I actually have been blessed enough to have fulfilled both of them because I wanted to be a journalist. I, I originally went to college to be a news reporter, but back then there was no 24-hour news cycle, no CNN, no blogging, none of that. So you were either on the network or you were nowhere. But I did get to work as a news reporter for five years for McGraw-Hill Publishing. But there was a slash on my line. It was journalism, law enforcement. So obviously, by the time I had graduated high school, uh, I had formulated in my mind that that was something I wanted to do. Uh, and I'm that corny guy. You know, when people ask me, why did you become a police officer? So just to make the world safe, you know, especially for kids so they can reach their full potential. Because somebody did it for me. Amen. Amen. Now, you have mom and dad married most of your life. Are they still married? Or are they still with you? So what was your family structure like? Yeah, my mom, my mom and dad are, are both deceased. So so we're orphans. Uh, there were seven kids. Um, I'm number six of seven. Uh, I'm the middle boy. I have four older sisters, which means I had five mothers growing up. Uh, but the, the good news, and they're still in my business now. I have to remind them I'm, I'm over fifty, and I, I I think I got it. But you know, it's all about it's all about love, right? And it's all about care, and it's all about looking out 
for, for other people. So I, I grew up in a house with humanity. Um, I, I grew up in a house where, and we lived in a small house, but my parents never said no to anybody who was hungry or who needed some place mm-hmm. to stay for a while until they got themselves together. And, you know, you emulate what you see. And, and those are the things that I saw growing up was my parents being kind to people and, and preserving their humanity instead of stri- stripping them of, of their dignity. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, clearly there was some transference there. Uh, and I had nothing but, but cool things to say about my childhood, even though we grew up in the hood, we grew up in the ghetto. We probably were the most spoiled ghetto kids in the world uh, because my dad did what he had to do and so did my mom. I mean, I remember my dad working multiple jobs to make sure that we had what we needed. But what came with that was some expectations and some responsibility. So you didn't get to abdicate those and blame other people for things that you had control over. That's so powerful. You just said the personal responsibility. And, you know, the Bible says that rain falls on the saved and the unsaved and the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. We call that life. You know, it's the undulating line. And we've got to a point in society right now that, you know, in the old days when you and I grew up, um, you know, when we had adversity, it was the road to greatness because you learned how to overcome. You learned how to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and hit it again, no matter how unfair, no how, uh, no matter how unjust, even if it was racially motivated, that's not you. That's on them. Your job was to learn as much as you can from it and then to respond in a godly, respectful way. At least that's how I was brought up. And boy, my dad would never let me get to the car without smacking me in the head. If I disrespected him or disrespected a police officer or disrespected a teacher, uh, I got the belt because you respect and everything else. Like you said, I love the way you put it, Chief. Uh, you comply now and you complain later. That is uh, that is exactly what my dad taught me too. Hey, Chief, we're going to a hard break. So today we're talking to Chief Blair Anderson of the St. Cloud Police uh, Department and we'll be back in a few minutes. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Today we are so blessed uh, because we have Mr. Blair Anderson with us. Uh, Mr. Anderson is the St. Cloud Minneapolis Chief of Police. So again, uh, Chief Anderson, thank you so much for taking your time. 
Again, good, good to be with you, sir. I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to visit with you uh, and, and, and your yeah. audience. And if, if, if I may, real quick, I, I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a quick story. Uh, that's what we do, right? As cops, uh, we tell stories. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, one, one of, and, and I had many uh, vivid memories from my childhood, and it was a great childhood. But when, when you talk about how we were raised to be respectful, you know, we had our own code, right? The seven kids. And if something got broken, um, you know, mom and dad are going to ask who did it. And we had our own code where we weren't going to tell, right? Because if you told on Saturday morning, when they went to do their errands, you had to answer, you know, yep. to the commission, right? Which yep. was the other six. Yep. Well, yep. Uh, again, my parents were adults before we were born, which is a blessing before me and we could never outwit them and so you know what my mom said that's great you guys are sticking together nobody will tell so everybody's getting the belt and that way i'll know i got the right one and i thought to myself (laughs) is is this legal i mean what you you know what when i reflect on stuff like that and and i told we we talked about that stuff before she passed away and we laugh and we crack up about it now but uh it was their way of letting us know that we were not in charge, right? Yep. Period. So no, no matter how uh, savvy we thought we were, uh, they were going to be able to outwit us. And God yep. bless them, and I thank them for it because it has served me well uh, all my life. Amen. And like we were raised very similarly and, you know, there was only five of us and we were, uh, and again, excuse my language. I hope I don't offend anybody. We were white trash. I mean, we were the only white people in the projects and we were very poor. Uh, and as uh, Herman Cain said, we were poor. That's different than poor because it's a mental state. We were really poor. Uh, we had nothing. And so, but my dad, we did have respect and my dad was an alcoholic and abusive, but he, uh, outside of that, he taught us respect. And when we went out to dinner, we would have people come up to us on a regular basis uh, and say, wow, you have five kids. They go to my dad and mom say, you have the most uh, polite, kind children that I've ever seen. And I wanted to say, well, yeah, because if we did anything wrong, he'd smack us right there. We couldn't even get to the car without being yanked by our head or whatever. And again, I'm not proposing that you should treat kids like that, but I'm saying we knew what respect was. Uh, And it was taught, it was lived, uh, and like you said, you 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 comply now and you complain later uh and my dad drilled that into us uh, and i've had my own run-ins with law enforcement nothing big but you know a young kid and driving i grew up in las vegas and cruising the strip and i'd get pulled over sometimes and there were times that i would be harassed i mean they're human beings you know there's a saying out there power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and when you get pulled over by a police officer in that moment they are little g god it's yes, sir, no, sir. And if there's a problem, you go home and you deal with it legally, do, do, do it with it with your parents. And so you and I were raised, uh, I think you're a year younger than I am. So we were raised in the exact same time frame and the exact same way, it sounds like. And, and in the same house, only, you know, 2,000 miles apart. And, and to your last point, this is the reason why um, I, I, I make sure that my staff understands this very clearly. And I have a wonderful staff uh, in St. Cloud, Minnesota is a premier law enforcement agency. I'm not just saying that because I'm the chief in our community. Um, loves us and respects us and they get the same back from us. But I tell my staff that you, you have to keep in mind that 
the uniform is a, a symbol of a lot of things to people. To some, it's a symbol of service and sacrifice. To others, it's a symbol of oppression. But at the end of the day, there's a human being in there. And so I have made uh, countless traffic stops, and I get to the car, and people are literally shaking. I get it. Anybody who sees a squad car behind them, is their, their, their blood pressure is going to go up. And so my yeah. point is, in saying all that, is to say this. The, the power that is bestowed upon us with this badge in a free society should be treated with reverence. Yep. It should not be abused. It should be treated with reverence. And everybody's dignity should be preserved, right, as, as, as a human being. Let, let's start there. And, and then, you know what? The outcomes are always going to be positive more than they are negative if you start there. Amen. And that's why I wanted to kind of segue into this uh, community policing, because, you know, when I was uh, younger and my uh, I grew up in Vegas, my young adult life was in Vegas. And then as I got a little bit older in my late 20s, I moved to Reno, northern Nevada. And I remember one of my good friends, he at the time he was deputy chief of police. I still remember his name, Andre Berry. Uh, and Andre Berry uh, taught me a lot about policing. He was a black man. He was a good friend. He was uh, in the training I was involved with. He was becoming a trainer as well well. And I remember he used to say that his his grandma used to say, uh, Andre, are you smelling yourself? He'd say, when you got so full of yourself, he'd say, are you smelling yourself? And we all got to be, we all got to check ourselves, all of us, and especially in this Absolutely. critical time. Uh, we got to understand what's going on. And and back then in the late 90s, early 2000s, community policing, I think, was when it was you know really coming into effect. And it was really important. Andre would talk about how they had these gang units, had people that would, would basically almost live in these uh, inner communities just to get uh, familiarity so people could learn to trust them. And, and why I'm bringing this up is what you guys have done in St. Cloud uh, is impressive. I had heard about this thing called Cop House, and it's part of community policing. Uh, and then I actually saw an article that was written about, uh, was written a, a little while ago, and it says a new model for policing lives at St. Cloud Cop House. Built four years ago, Cop House puts officers in services in the heart of a neighborhood where both are needed. And I just want this little article from KARE is really impressive. I just want to read the beginning part. I think it's so spot on what it, what your outcome is. It says, uh, a yellow school bus pulls in front of the tidy two-story house on St. Cloud's south side. Kids hop off, running eagerly. Where are you headed? A boy is asked. Police, he says. On the porch stand St. Cloud officers Taylor McIntyre and Deborah Aklu. Aklu hands out snacks as McIntyre dispenses flyers. It's for a book club tonight at 5, McIntyre tells the children for the predominantly Somali neighborhood. We've got pizza coming. While McIntyre and Aklu extend welcomes, their sergeant laughs at the antics of the half-dozen rambunctious kids gathering around him. This is impressive. Tell us a little bit about Cop House. And uh, thank you. Um, it, it, it is a concept that, and I, I give credit where credit is due, um, that was born in Racine, Wisconsin. Um, and one of my officers is from Racine. And one of the first things I told them when I took over as chief nine years ago, that came from the outside, is if you have something that will make us more effective and more efficient, I want to know. And God bless them because they believed me. And so this officer saw the need uh, on the south side uh, of our city 
And he pitched the idea up the chain of command. And before he was finished, I said yes. And he, myself, and one of my other commanders were on our way to Racine for a site visit. Long story short, um, we, we saw all we needed to see and, and decided that we were going to replicate and modify um, their program to fit the needs of our community. And so we started a 501c3 foundation so we wouldn't burden the taxpayers with the cost of running the place. Um, and, and that is a board that has no city employees, no elected officials, none of that. It is community members. Um, and this is where I have to commend our community. So what goes on there? Everything from after school programs to help kids with their homework to ESL classes to breastfeeding classes, we bring services to them. Uh, Stearns County Public Health sponsors medical and dental clinics because it's one of our more indigent parts of town. Uh, and, and so they refer them um, for, for health services because these are folks that, that are high users of the emergency room. We've got an ambulance crew that's based there 24-7 because it's their high response area. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, what, whatever services are needed. And one of the cool things that we did was we didn't go in there and tell them what we were going to do. We asked we literally went door to door and asked what is needed here the most. And that is how we set our programming schedule. And let me give a shout out to, uh, I'm not being political here, Mr. Black, but Congressman Tom Emmer, who represents our district, was instrumental in helping us get the property because it was a blighted property. Everything that we did there was deliberate. And the, the, the house that was on the property had 100 calls for service in five years. That's a lot. And so we got help from, from, from our local Rotary, but we couldn't get the house. It was in foreclosure. And so I called Congressman Emmer and said, hey, listen, here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we want to do, but the bank won't call us back. We've got the money. We're ready. And the next day, the bank called, and we had procured the house. It was in such disrepair, wow. Scott, we had to tear it down and build a new one. But that's where everybody wow. came together in St. Cloud, the Builders Association, the subcontractors, corporations, and everybody put something into this, whether it was sweat equity or financial or whatever. And it is, it's the crown jewel in our community engagement division because we have an entire division devoted to community engagement. Wow. But I've got about 30 seconds for a break. What's the impact on the community? Has it been, what's the imp impact on crime and stuff? Um, we, we did have an independent, the board commissioned an independent agency to, to, to judge those very things that you're asking about. Uh, it's called the Filson Report. And, you know, crime is down. The, the community feels safer. They feel better about having us there. And they're less afraid of us because of that, because they know that it's, it's literally an oasis in the desert, right? It's not there for, to wow. be oppressive. It's there for service. All right, we're going to a hard break. Stay with us, Chief. Uh, today on Like It Matters Radio, we're talking with Chief Anderson of the St. Cloud, Minnesota Police Department. And we'll be right back. What can you do in 48 hours that changes your life? Like It Matters Leadership Awakening. Listen to this 22-year law enforcement veteran with PTSD compare Leadership Awakening to other training he's received. You focus on the individual. I think you kind of answered the why question, whereas a lot of 
the other programs that are out there, I don't want to say they put a Band-Aid on it, but they don't do a very good job of going into the why. And, you know, why am I doing this? Why is my brain uh, revert back to the images? You know, why do I get depressed? And like you said, right, it's a choice. 48 hours. Give Mr. Black and Leadership Awakening just 48 hours and it will change the course of your life. Go to likeitmatters.net and click on Schedule for Leadership Awakening near you. That's likeitmatters.net. Just click on Schedule. Leadership Awakening, where 48 hours will change your life. So today we are blessed because we have the St. Cloud Chief of Police, Mr. Blair Anderson, joining us. And uh, Chief, you know, I, I got two articles here in front of me. One was the one I'd shared before you came on. Uh, uh, teacher tells Latino police officer he's a murderer and will never be white in viral traffic stop. I mean, as this cop pulls this woman over, who's supposedly a teacher, which scares me if she's teaching our kids, uh, calling this Hispanic police officer, I mean, be racially, I mean, attacking him, calling him a murderer, it's its stunning to me. It's the, the law of non-contradiction. You know, racism will never wipe out racism. Dr. King says, uh, hate cannot wipe out hate. Only love can do that. You know, darkness cannot wipe out darkness. Only light can do that. And I really believe that uh, racism cannot wipe out racism. Only, you know, God can do that. Only understanding can do that. But it's not just that. So you're dealing with that and me there, uh, Chief. But I was reading this other thing. Franklin Graham wanted to honor Seattle police, and they spat in his face. So the Billy Graham Evangelical Association is hosting dinners to express appreciation for the brave men and women in law enforcement. Yet after BGEA's president, Franklin Graham, invited police in Seattle, Washington to attend one of the free dinners at a four-star hotel, the Seattle Police Department issued a condemnation of Graham and his organization due to their support for biblical Christianity. Leftists and Antifa in Seattle have demonized police, but it seems evangelical Christians are the lowest of the low. Even the police want nothing to do with them. So you're dealing with a couple uh, of fronts. You're dealing with not only the people who have now been been programmed to think that all cops are bad and that police officers getting together in the morning and figure out how they're going to hunt black people. I just stunned at the belief system that's being propagated. And then you're also dealing with some of that progressive liberal flair inside the department itself. I mean, th that's a big battle. How are you guys holding up? You know what? We're, we're holding up very well. And it, it, part of the reason is because we, we have the, the unwavering support of our community. And, you know, Minnesota is a state that's, I don't know, 84, 90% white. Um, there are only 200 officers of color out of 11,000 in this state, oh, and there's wow. only four black chiefs. But wow. here's the news. Um, you know, you said it earlier, right? People are people. We, we, we try and approach this from a standpoint of humanity and make sure that we preserve people's dignity. And it's amazing when you do that. When you come from uh, a platform of respect and humanity, guess what you get in return? You get respect yeah. and humanity. And, and one of the things that drives us, I call it our moral compass, Mr. Black. It's, it's called our wheel of integrity. And imagine a wheel with five spokes. Each spoke represents a value, and they are accountability, transparency, humility, honesty, and respect. And one of the first things I told the staff when I first took over was, 
If any of those things are missing when you're dealing with another human being, I don't care who it is, whether it's a supervisor, a suspect, a victim, whatever, check yourself and start over. And I guarantee you the outcome, as I said earlier, will be positive more than it's negative. But, you know, here's the beauty, right? Because I'm for America. Um, I served in the military and I've been serving as a public servant for most of not all of my adult life. And people have a right to their opinions, whether we agree or disagree. The sad part that we're living through today is we no longer can disagree with somebody without being blowtorched. And, and that's, that's a problem for me. You know, we, we can, you can be, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Amen. I got this article demoralize and demonize. I think those two D's are, are, are proper for what's happened to our LEOs that uh, you guys are being uh, demonized uh, and it's got to be so demoralizing. I see pictures uh, and I've seen this now for a couple of years now of police officers in, in New York City, people running up to them, douse, throwing stuff on them, and, do, and they're just, they can't respond, they can't do anything. People going up to them in their cop cars, flipping them off, basically calling them names, spit their face, and they can't do anything. I gotta tell you, you, you you're men and women. Uh, I have the utmost respect for it. doesn't mean I'll agree with everything on them. doesn't mean I might like how they treat me or whatever. I mean, that's just part of life. We're going to have disagreements. No two people uh, can ever truly uh, to, to walk together without having some sort of problem. Uh, my background's in neuro-linguistic programming. I did a lot. I trained a lot of law enforcement officers. Decades ago, I worked with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department uh, in Las Vegas, and, and we trained them, uh, most of the police force. So I help people with how their mind works. I help. I can actually help people get rid of PTSD. I help remove the trauma and the drama from the past that holds us back. And there's a saying that I have that I, I got from somewhere else years ago. It's, it's about understanding. What's lacking in America today is understanding. See, if I can understand you a little bit better, Chief, and you can understand me a little bit better, doesn't it make sense we're in a position of a better relationship? And I think that's what you're talking about with the five wheels concept, the understanding. Uh- I, I am, and, and another perfect segue, you know, I, I, I'm not a big reader of the, 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 the books that are written by corporate executives or, or whatever, but, you know, Lee Kobe wrote a book some years ago, and I don't remember anything in it except this. It's better to be under, to understand than to try and be understood. And so those, those kinds of things resonate with me, right, to your point. Um, if, if we could just sit down and talk with one another instead of talking at each other, we'll find out that we're, we're more alike than we're different, right? No, no matter what your political bent is, no matter where you're from, because we're human beings first. And here's the thing. If, if I'm laying in the gutter and a white guy's laying in the gutter and we're both bleeding, how do you know which blood is coming from where? Because it looks the same. Right. Amen. Right. We, 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 yep. so we're human first and yep. we've gotten away from that. And it's very frustrating. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, but the, the news is, uh, and I had a chance to visit with most of my staff the other day, we were out on the range training and their morale is good. Their morale is high. They're happy to still come to work. And yep. Guess what? They get the same treatment sometimes. Uh, we did last summer after an incident in the city where one of my officers was shot. 
but somebody put on Facebook that we had shot two black kids in the head and one was dead. One was clinging to life. It was a total lie, but that sparked a few days of unrest and, and they, they took that treatment, right? People were throwing rocks and, and different stuff at them. Now we, we got that incident quelled in short order. And how did we do it? With the help of our community, with our faith-based community, I called on them and they responded because we built those relationships over time. And to me, that can be replicated anywhere. The cop house can work anywhere. And if I can just go back again real quick, Tom Emmer, and and I don't work for him, but this Mm -hmm. is how much he believes in it. He's introduced a bill on the House floor to get the DLJ to appropriate funds for startups, for cop houses all over the country because they work. So we'll see what what happens. But in the interim, we're going to continue to do our job the way we've done it from a standpoint of humanity first uh, and respect. And that's what Jesus preached. I mean, everybody's familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. There's always been racial division. Uh, The Jews hated the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. The Assyrians, when they would conquer a territory, would split the masses. And then the Jews would mate with the Assyrians, and they would create what became Samaritans. And so, I mean, people would walk for hours around Samaria because they didn't want to deal with Samarians because they thought they were dogs. And they were were Jews that just happened to have a little bit different uh, of an ancestry. But so this is as old as man itself. So one thing I'd love for you to tell, uh, if you don't mind, police officers are listening right now. I work with a lot of police officers. What word of advice do you have about a minute uh, for a police officer out today? Hang in there and block out the noise. As difficult as that is, because it's difficult for me, right? And I I sit at the head of, of my organization, obviously. I haven't worked the streets in a long time. But I promised myself I would never forget what it was like to direct traffic in the rain, okay, so that I would remain grounded and make sure that the folks who work with and for me, because people under your direction are under your protection. Uh, And so I would I would ask them to just hang in there. And please know, because of folks like you and your audience and the people I hear from every day. There are far more people who are supporting us than are not. Um, they're just kind of the silent majority now, and, and that's okay. But it is good to know, um, and, and I have proof because I get cards, letters, emails, calls all the time that people have our back, and that's all that we need to keep pushing on. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Chief, for joining us. To our listening audience, you are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you when you live your life like it matters. It does.